0: (laughs) Can I turn this down a bit? Just uh, a little knob on there. Which way? As usual, let us begin by, uh, first of all, paying homage to the Buddha, then by taking refuge in the Buddha, Dhamma and
1: Sangha, and finally we'll take the eight (coughs) 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 precepts. Namo dasa, bhagavata, arahata, sammasambudasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammāsambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato assa buddham saraṇam gacchāmi dhammam saraṇam gacchāmi sangham saraṇam gacchāmi Duttyampi Boddham Sarnam Dutiampi Duttyampi Dhammam Sarnam Gacchami Duttyampi Sangham Tatiyaṁ pi bhutaṁ sāranam gacchāphe Tatiyaṁ pi dhammaṁ sāranam gacchāphe Tatiyaṁ pi saṅgaṁ sāranam gacchāphe pāta Virahmani Sikha Badam Samadhiyami Adena Dhana Virahmani Sikha Badam Samadhiyami abramacharya Chariya Viramni Samadhyami Musavada Viramni Sekhapadam Samadhyami Sura Miraya Majjapa The Ramani Sekabadam Samadi Vikala Bhojana. The Ramani Sekabadam Samadi Yami Natcha Gita Wadita Visukadasana. Malaganda Vilipana Dharana Mandana Vivasana Tana Veeramani Sekapadam Samadhi Yami Mahasayana di radani sekha padam samadhiyame Fala silam samadhiyame Pachayo Hotu, Hotu.
0: topic of our discourse uh, this evening is practicing as if one's clothes or head were ablaze. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this? <laughs> now, uh, there is a discourse, in, a shorter discourse, in the Nikaya, namely It's uh, 5th volume, section 440. And then, certain discourse in the Pali scriptural language is uh, uh, known as the so-called Chela Sutta. In English, when Arabica Bodhi has translated it as clothes. Allow me to read out uh, um, this discourse. Because bigunis and lay retreatants, if one's clothes or head were ablaze, what should be done about it? Venerable sir, if one's clothes or head were ablaze, to ex- extinguish one's blazing clothes or head, one should arouse extraordinary desire, make an extraordinary effort, stir up zeal and enthusiasm, be unremitting, and exercise mindfulness and clear comprehension. Because bhikkuni isn't monastics and uh, lay retreatants one might look on equanimously at one's blazing clothes or head paying no attention to them but so long as one has not made the breakthrough to the four noble truths as they really are In order to make the breakthrough, one should arouse extraordinary desire, make an extraordinary effort, stir up zeal and enthusiasm, be unremitting and exercise mindfulness and clear comprehension. What for? The noble truth of suffering, the noble truth of the origin of suffering, the noble truth of the cessation of suffering, and the noble truth of the path leading uh, towards the cessation of suffering. Now, practicing as if one's clothes or head were ablaze, this the Buddha then explains as certain uh, follows, namely, when at oh, no, it is, it is as if one is in very difficult uh, n- situation, a life-threatening uh, situation and uh, one needs to get out of this life-threatening uh, situation. Now to practice with extraordinary desire the Pali term uh, for uh, this is adi Mato or mata Chanda then to practice with effort, extraordinary, to make an extraordinary you know, effort. This in the Pali in the scripture language is given as Vayama. And the Pali term Vayama can be translated as striving, as exertion, as endeavor. Then the Chelatna Sutta goes on to use the term Usaha, which translates as perseverance, continuous exertion, fortitude. And resolution. And the Chela Sutta goes on to mention usolhi, which translates typically as utmost exertion. Venerable Dnyadna who translated the Samyutta Nikaya, takes these two aspects, namely usaha and Usulhi and Satna translates you know, those two as you know, stir up zeal and enthusiasm. Now then we have the word apatiwani namely not giving up, not turning away. The Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi uses here uh, the expression to be unremitting in one certain effort. Furthermore, mindfulness needs to be there and clear comprehension needs to be there. Now, The Pali terms Waiyama, Usaha, and Usulhi are all aspects of which mental factor of effort. There you go. And a number of other... Synonyms for you know, effort are you know, there, as given in the Dhamma you know, Sangani, the first volume of you know, the Abhidhamma. The very first one mentioned you know, there is, or the second one you know, mentioned there, is riddance of lethargy nikama in the Pali the scriptural language on occasion retreatants are overwhelmed by an ongoing state of lethargy of a certain dullness of the mind and more akin to a sloth than anything else. And it is under such kind of circumstances that we do need to boost our effort. And By exerting harder and harder barakama in the Pali scriptural uh, language. Now, when it comes to the effort, they certainly be experienced and or will be needed in various um, under various certain conditions or circumstances for one thing the texts certain tell us that uh, effort is needed to abandon unwholesome states but it's also needed to arouse so far unreasoned wholesome states. A third is further needed on a microscopic level in the observation of, uh, or in labelling, observing, and certainly coming to know know, the true nature of whatever predominant object uh, arises in, in the body and in the mind. The classical definition of uh, viria, of effort or energy, is as having the characteristic of forbearance in the face of difficulties. Or another characteristic given is as marshalling. Its function is to support the associated mental states. Namely, from withering, and its sudden manifestation is as non-collapse. And two proximate causes are being given for you know, the arising of effort. The first one being a sense of urgency, and the other one uh, being any ground for. The arousing of uh, energy. The text, uh, in particular, the Atasalini commentary, um, explains uh, that uh, effort is just like adding new timbers to a house which is on the verge of collapse, a dilapidated house on the verge of collapse. So when one adds a couple of footnote four by fours, then this house can last a a few more years. The situation is uh, similar when a retreatant is dealing over a longer period of time, let's say, with a rather intense pain. And first, mindfulness will be there, concentration will be there, wisdom, intuitive wisdom or understanding about the nature of the pain uh, will be there. But if the pain keeps on lasting for a long period of time then sooner or later the mind starts suddenly withering and mental factors like mindfulness like concentration like intuitive wisdom are just on the verge of collapse and it is in such a situation that one's effort needs to be uh, boosted, in which case then uh, the mind will be well supported and will not collapse uh, that easily. Now, maybe briefly going back to the illustration given in our uh, this in our uh, sutta. The Chila Nsutta, Would you say that our human existence is somewhat similar to you know, being um, or you know, to having clothes and a head which is ablaze? Similar or not similar? No, not at all. <laughs> does does not concern us? Doesn't concern us as meditators at all? No? It's Eva? It's a big concern. Uh, a big concern. Now, could you elaborate on this a bit more? Why? I can elaborate from my own uh, self because I am going to be 70 this summer and I don't have a lot of time. Oh. So I have to practice up my Uh, there you go and we're all youngsters here (laughs) (laughs) so as old age is progressing and we are not exempted from uh, growing older and older we better consider this fact um, seriously and certainly practice as if our clothes or the head were ablaze. Now to add the Dhamma is not easily gained. It takes a huge amount of commitment and a huge amount of exerting oneself over and over and over again not just for a day not just for a week but for weeks on end months on end now scenes a number of fatnavi, aspects certainly mentioned by, or qualities mentioned by the Buddha in the Jela Sutta are related to effort or energy, vidya. Let us briefly look at a couple of ways of uh, arousing and further Uh, developing one's effort the very first aspect one can pay attention to is and this is certainly from um, a textual perspective is to ensure that one's effort one's exertion of effort be grounded in virtuous conduct or not? The answer is clearly yes. And the piece of evidence in this uh, uh, regard is uh, a short uh, discourse from the fifth volume of the Samyutta Nikaya in section 246 a discourse entitled Strenuous, which says, O monastics, O retreatants, just as whatever strenuous deeds are done, are all done based upon the earth, established on the earth, so too based upon virtue, established upon virtue, a retreatant develops and cultivates the four right strivings. Now, effort is an ethically variable mental state and it can arise in conjunction with consciousness that certainly is unwholesome but it can also arise in uh, in conjunction with consciousness that is uh, uh, wholesome, so unwholesome and wholesome. Now, the endeavor that we are engaged here is, would you say, wholesome? A wholesome one or an unwholesome one? A clearly wholesome, and hence our effort also needs to be of a wholesome type now what else certainly could be done it is by learning and appreciating the Dhamma that we get interested in the Dhamma that a desire to practice chanda in the pani scripture language mm, arises, and so, you know, this then leads to you know, the exertion wanting to practice, and then you know, this leads uh, you know, to you know, the arising of usaha, usali, etc., If we want to cultivate and strengthen our effort, we could also make good use of you know, the walking meditation, jankama in the Pani scriptural language. And a short discourse from the Anguttara Nikaya mentions the five benefits of walking meditation the second of which is given as one becomes capable of striving in the pali scriptural language given as badana khoti now our most revered teacher the venerable Saira Bilams Billams of Burma explained this certain second benefit as follows. Namely, that in walking, medita- or walking meditation brings stamina, is good for striving in the context of one's meditation practice. And during the walking meditation, a twofold effort is needed. Number one, the effort to um, keep the body upright, so the mechanical effort to lift the foot, to move it forward, to lower and place it on the ground, and secondly, a mental uh, effort to be aware of uh, the lifting movement and um, predominant sensations that might arise in this connection to be continuously aware of the forward movement and sensations that might certainly become predominant that might be uh, predominant certainly during this second phase as well as uh, to be aware of the lowering and placing process and uh, um, so the movement of it and uh, the various sensations that might certainly go along with it. And it is through this double effort that the mind or that our capacity mm, to apply ourselves to exert certain effort that this capacity yeah, then increases. To express it in terms of an illustration, it's by doing the walking practice that one is recharging one's, uh, uh, one's battery that let's say, is run down. What else certainly could be done to develop uh, um, effort? namely to, to practice moderation in eating. Bojani matanyu in the Pali in the scriptural language so keeping in mind the following reflections of uh, the Buddha with regard to, uh, to food namely one takes food after wise consideration not for the purpose of enjoyment, of pride, of beautifying the body or adorning it with muscles, but only for the sake of maintaining and sustaining this body. To avoid harm and to support the holy life, thinking thus, I shall destroy the old painful feeling, and sadness shall not, and shall not let a new one arise. Long life be mine, blamelessness and well-being. The Buddha has certainly given wise attention, yoni so manasikara, as a cause for you know, the arising of effort. And uh, ensuring or paying attention to the three forms of elements, elements of exertion, namely initial, you know, the element of initial uh, exertion, the element of boosted exertion, and you know, the element of culminating exertion. That eventually leads us to the realization of uh, the goal. The Patisambhidana Magga, in a, a passage in its fourth volume, section 4, proposes um, a very simple approach, namely, by purifying the mind of sloth and torpor, what will naturally arise and get strengthened? the effort, there you go. And the Chaitokila Sutta, the discourse on the barrenness of uh, the mind, contains a somewhat certainly similar uh, approach. Namely, it certainly speaks of uh, uh, various kinds of doubt, Uh, Doubt in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, and Satna, the practice. And then um, on top of that, anger towards one's companions in the spiritual life. Now, in in both cases, cases of doubt as well as anger, it leads a person to um, exert oneself uh, less. And it is through purifying the mind of anger that certain, uh, we then um, allow ardour to arise. The relevant certain passage is yes. as follows. Here, a retreatant is doubtful, uncertain, undecided, and unconfident about the teacher, the Dhamma, the Sangha, and the training. And thus his or her mind does not incline to ardor, devotion, perseverance, and striving. Again, a retreatant is angry and displeased with his or her companions in the holy life, resentful and callous towards them and thus one's mind does not incline to ardor, devotion, perseverance and striving. And so when these states of doubt and uh, anger are on occasion present in one's stream of consciousness, then one should be aware of the consequences, namely that these will leads uh, to less inclination towards ardor, and uh, the way to proceed then is to purify the mind of skeptical doubt and of uh, anger. Now, these are a few uh, things that could be done in order to cultivate one's uh, effort based on what the texts uh, um, uh, recommend Now let us take this a step further and uh, look at some very practical uh, aspects Now as explained already at the very outside of our uh, retreat during the session on detailed certain meditation instructions. When labeling, observing, and knowing some uh, predominant object of observation, this involves certain various uh, mental factors, namely aiming, proper aiming, then effort, and suddenly rubbing, or which are, and suddenly, based on this uh, mindfulness, um, gets aroused, and suddenly sustained, and concentration arises, etc. Now, the effort is needed, on a microscopic level, is needed to propel the observing mind towards the object of observation. Without effort, it will simply just not go to the, the predominant object of observation. When it comes to uh, effort, this is a mental factor that clearly can be cultivated, that can be uh, strengthened over time. And if we keep practicing, and we apply ourselves wholeheartedly from moment to moment to moment, then not uh, just that uh, will happen. So our effort, um, our Uh, degree of energy over time will gradually increase and become uh, powerful. As mentioned, effort comes in different forms. Uh, One um, way of speaking about or describing effort is as consisting of the three elements of exertion or effort, namely initial um, effort, then um, the, the stepped-up effort, and the culminating effort. The initial effort is the effort needed you know, to um, take uh, leave from one's Satna job to. Uh, um, Make arrangements at uh, home to come on a retreat, and certainly then to travel to the retreat centre to get certainly started to settle in, and certainly then to get started. Within just a few days of intensive practice, as certainly you all know by now, the hindrances will arise, and certainly. In their you know, presence, we need to step up our effort, and so that's known as Nikkama dātu in the Pali scriptural language. The first one is known as arambat dātu. Having stepped up or boosted our effort, we managed to overcome you know, the hindrances. We then keep going with our practice, and sooner or later, other difficulties will arise, and additional effort will be needed. And this then gets expressed or described as the so called culminating effort or Barakama nadatu in the Pali scriptural language. Now, of utmost importance around certain effort is that it is balanced effort, neither lacking, neither deficient, nor in excess. When effort is certainly in excess, we get all... Agitated, restless. When effort is deficient or lacking, then what happens? Sloth Sloth and torpor sets in. That's correct. So we need to uh, uh, apply just the right amount of balanced uh, effort. Now, there's some practical aspects that uh, our revered teacher. used to emphasis or emphasize quite a bit namely. in aiming the mind towards uh, near the center of predominant object and in applying effort, three situations could occur. On occasion, one could overshoot the object, at other on other occasions the observing mind would fall short of the object and in a third case you know, the aiming and effort uh, would be just right and with that you know, the observing mind you know, the aiming would be proper you know, effort also is balanced and with that one then Near the observing mind gets propelled right into the (coughs) center of the object. The The illustration uh, that the Venerable Sadhu Pandita used to give in this certain context was that of during a meal um, having a plate of food in front of us with. Mm, one with a, a potato dish as part of it, and so then, mm, if it is as if one, or, or in, mm, wanting to mm, mm, uh, well, uh, pierce a potato with a fork, mm, this will typically require proper aiming as well as the effort you know, to propel you know, the hand and the fork you know, towards you know, the potato and then to properly pierce you know, uh, the potato and then I bring it to one's mouth. Not giving in to ne, sleepiness, boosting ne, one certain effort, is a sure ne, a way of fitness strengthening one certain effort. Now, in a general ne, way, we can say, when there is a low degree of... Of exertion, our uh, results will be of a minor uh, nature. When we put in a moderate amount of uh, effort, we will gain a moderate amount of positive results. When we exert ourselves fully, we can expect uh, major uh, results. The Buddha very much praised the exertion of effort, and Dhammapada verse 112 attests to this, namely, by saying, better than a hundred years in the life of a person who is idle and inactive is a day in the life of one who makes a zealous and strenuous effort in the practice of fitness serenity or tranquility, and in uh, insight practice, inside certain meditation, now. It happens that one's certain meditation practice does not move ahead substantially. And the experiences, the main experiences seem to be the same um, day after day. And on the other hand the duration of this retreat is uh, limited and one's age or one's lifetime is also limited and in a situation like this it's uh, worth to uh, briefly step back and to take an objective look at one's own practice and certainly to then uh, try to figure out what is missing and it would also be a time to uh, check very carefully whether one is really knowing um, that whether you know, one is gaining intuitive wisdom from moment to moment to moment to moment or is it that one is just sitting there with a lethargic dull mind and uh, uh, barely Um, barely aware more half conscious than conscious uh, than fully conscious and uh, not really knowing anything about the nature of uh, the predominant objects now in a case like this one could apply the following very practical approach, and this is an approach that was uh, once uh, uh, recommended by one of uh, the retreatants who practiced in Lumbini, Namely, while one is observing a predominant object, to briefly ask oneself, what am I knowing about the nature of this object right now? And what am I knowing about this object now? And now and now and so on. And if one then ensures that there is genuine intuitive knowledge about whatever predominant object comes along from moment to moment to moment to moment to moment until the very end of the sitting session, I can guarantee you that uh, uh, your practice will uh, move ahead again. Now sometimes, stagnation in the practice, stagnation in terms of Ferdinand intuitive fatna wisdom, may occur due to not being clear about uh, conventional reality Banyati in the Pali scriptural language and ultimate reality, Paramata in the Pali in the scriptural language Banyati is defined as commonly accepted truth Sometimes also referred to as Samuti Satcha or as conventional truth, referred to in Pali as Wahara Satcha. Paramatta is defined as truth, sorry, is defined as truth. That is true in the highest or ultimate sense. Now, the Abhinama distinguishes four categories of ultimate realities. The first one being consciousness, citta. The second one being mental factors, cetasika. The third being materiality, rupa and Nibbana being the fourth ultimate reality. And so, opposed and different from um, ultimate reality is your conventional uh, reality. Now, not meditating, we may understand or perceive ourselves in one way or another. We might perceive ourselves in our experiences to be permanent. Or even more basic, we may think of ourselves as a separate entity, a separate person, man, woman, individuality with a personality. We may think that it is some supreme being that is in charge of everything, including our meditation practice here now when we engage in intuitive or when we engage in mindfulness sat meditation practice what happens nothing happens <laughs> if nothing happens we might as well go <laughs> pardon me Intuitive wisdom, arises. intuitive wisdom arises and we start you know, seeing things in a different way more in tune with reality and so were previously there was the Perception of, or perception as a being, an individual man, woman with a personality, etc. Now, one after having meticulously observed predominant formations as they are occurring in the body and certainly in the mind, in sitting and walking during their general activities, gradually we come to discern. Uh, that in the end, there are just material phenomena and mental uh, phenomena going on. Mindfulness meditation practice can be seen as a continuous process of replacing of gaining intuitive understanding or wisdom and uh, thereby replacing this or that wrongful uh, view or perception. And that process keeps going on and on and on. There are many aspects, where the first appearance of some object is one thing, and what truly happens upon close investigation is another thing. Now, would you have an example for a concept? Any example for a concept? The economy. The economy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Money. Money. Okay. Anything else? A person. A person, yes. The breath. What's that? The breath. The breath. uh, Yes well with the breath that uh, might be seen already differently (laughs) so the breath falls under uh, the air element anything else? house, tree there you go house, tree um, mountain Mm, then city, a form, a shape, a color, the the size of something, the name of something, etc. Now, these are just concepts that in our day-to-day life we make much use of, but those are not truly existing realities. If you take, let's say, a tree, and you dissect that tree, or you analyze what this tree consists of, then you'll find what? No, pretty much nothing and Eva many parts uh, many parts there you go and what else cellulose pardon me cellulose <laughs> cellulose the primary molecular constituent ah uh, uh, oh, oh, cell you, cell you, yeah that's great uh-huh. there you go and some you know, water will be there some materiality or uh, you know, water will be there nutrients will be there etc so the same thing goes when we look at what conventionally is referred to as a body when we dissect this or when we take a really close look at it in intensive mindfulness practice what we come to to you know, see or understand is certainly uh, quite something else, and so you know, the body, you know, consisting of uh, element of the you know, six or or you know, what is referred to as a being, consisting of uh, the four you know, primary uh, elements or great elements um, of you know, the earth element, the water element, uh, you know, then. The fire element and the wind element, plus the element of space, and the element of consciousness. Now those are considered to be ultimate realities. One cannot um, uh, dissect things any further uh, down than that. Now, you've named already a number of concepts. What about time? Is time a concept or an ultimate reality? David, you would say, is it concept? But then someone might certainly disagree and say, no, but nowadays we have atomic uh, clocks. And that are super precise how can they be uh, concepts well when you look at your own experience as a meditator and suddenly you comp- you look back and suddenly your practice and you notice oh uh, there have been sittings where time has been passing really slowly And there have been other sittings, when time has been passing very quickly, then... It's not an ultimate
1: reality. It can't
0: be an ultimate reality. It's not an ultimate reality. And to take this point even a step further, when it comes to the experience of Nibbāna, is there any time to Nibbāna? Any atomic time there? (laughs) There is no atomic time there. And so time is just not a criterion that has any validity in Nibbālā. Now, you've mentioned already a number of concepts, but there's one that has one really important one, that has not been mentioned itself. Now, David keeps pointing at himself. David has a concept. David, David has a concept, a concept. I, I, no, and even beyond that, the self, right? The self, the so-called notion of a self, the so-called notion, or the, uh, uh, the notion of an ego of an I and you can call it whatever you like Uh, or uh, we may identify with our name and that particular concept to many of us is deep deep instilled in uh, our being and it is very hard you know, to let go of it. And ordinary beings, and not only ordinary, or let's say non-meditators, but not only non-meditators, but even meditators, in the course of the meditation practice, will tenaciously cling to that sense of self and for the process of cultivating intuitive wisdom this is extremely useful would you agree Bung not at all so we end up being our own worst what enemies there you go and there is a discourse in the Newton kind that defines the that speaks to the topic of the personality view and we tend to identify with the five aggregates namely the aggregate of materiality the aggregate of feelings the aggregate of perceptions, the aggregate of relational formations, and the aggregate of consciousness. And there are various views that then arise in this connection. Namely, the first one, um, isn't this then applies to all five aggregates? The aggregates is the self. In other words, we are. We are identical, we think, we believe to be identical with the aggregates. A second manifestation of the wrongful belief in a self, sakaya in a deity, is the, s- the self possesses the aggregates. And the third approach is the aggregate is part of the self and the fourth one is, the self is within uh, the aggregate. And so these four then apply to each and every of the four aggregates. And it is that we tenaciously cling to those five aggregates and not wanting to to let go of them and seeing these five aggregates as permanent seeing them as conducive to happiness seeing them being subject certain to a self or under the control of a self, or seeing these five aggregates as beautiful. It is due to a lack of proper understanding that we cling to these aggregates. The more we practice, the more we come to see the true nature of formations, the more we come to see the true nature of the five aggregates, and, inc- and we will come to see the flaw of all formations namely, being subject to impermanence, being subject to suffering, subject to. Another non-self, and, that, uh, known, uh, self. and so, uh, then also uh, not necessarily uh, being uh, beautiful or being uh, uh, being impure, and it is in s- more and more so seeing the flaws, the deficiencies in uh, formations that uh, the mind. Gradually, but uh, still very unwillingly, uh, let certain uh, uh, let go a bit of its grip on you know, the aggregates. And mindfulness practice is, in one way, about uh, you know, this process of letting increasingly see formations what they truly are and Satna then gradually becoming disenchanted with formations and satna based on this then dispassion arising towards formations and a wish to relinquish those formations. Now allow me to conclude today's satna discourse on Practicing as if one's clothes and head were ablaze. Wishing that what has been explained is helpful in for your meditation practice and will contribute to a further unfolding, will contribute to. Extraordinary exertion of effort, with zeal, with enthusiasm, with desire, and uh, extraordinary desire, and uh, with uh, extraordinary mindfulness and sudden clear comprehension, and definitely uh, this thing contribute to. You know, the arising of, con- um, of a concentrated state of mind which should, you know, then sees formations according to reality and ultimately made this lead to the absolute letting go of conditioned formations. And this is it for the discourse. <laughs>